God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whispers. Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Funk. I think we ought to make this the GW signature sound. <laughs> Just 70s funk. We're putting the fun back into funk. <laughs> Listening to the world famous God Whispers. I'm Craig Denofrio. I'm Bill Swirlo. Yes, it's true. Special Trinity edition today. That's right. We started with Osteen's Creed because today we're talking about the Athanasian Creed. We're going full on creedal today. We're going creedal, and nothing says creedal quite like the Athanasian Creed. Or this. Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I like gas. I tell you, that is really, you know what? Really Contrast that creed with this. Whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will, without doubt, perish eternally. That's so negative. That's <laughs> you know that's not man. Uplifting. This 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 creed was written at a at a time when people believe things. <laughs> but but that is just you know rough. we we want to up be uplifting. We want to encourage people. And, and can you imagine the uproar? Perishing everlastingly, you know, would Jesus really talk like that? Can you imagine the uproar if if uh, Osteen got up before that stadium load that he's got there and and started reciting the Athanasian <laughs> Creed? People would leave. Wow, they just leave. This isn't the show that we expected. So, what um, did in your in your parish practice? Did yeah. you use the Athanasian Creed every Trinity Sunday? Oh, ah, yeah, the 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 once a year at Trinity, huh? Yeah, but uh, honestly, uh, I had many elderly people in the congregation, and uh, so we'd stay seated. 
through the the Athanasian Creed. Yeah, we do a we do um, an antiphonal reading. That's that's common, popular. Now. The uh, the new hymnal LSB has it versified out, which uh, that kind of eases the length. It is the longest of the three yeah, creeds. Yeah, we, we've done that also, and and that does seem to go off pretty well. The creed. I, I was at one church where uh, one side of the congregation would read the odd numbers and the other side of the congregation would read the even. I thought that was kind of fun. It, you know, it's kind of like we got the spirit. Yes, we do. <laughs> we got the spirit. How about you? Well, antiphonal psalm singing or chanting is, is ancient. And so may as well kind of go with it. Sure. Um, now the, uh, the LSB doesn't go so far as to uh, point it out for chanting. That might be the next level of tedium is, is to chant the Athanasian creed. But <clears throat> I, I have sure to admit, we, we could find a few Lutheran pastors that are doing that already. I, I have to admit, I it doesn't come to mind as one of my favorite expressions of the Christian faith. <laughs> I I like my creeds the way I like my pasta al dente. You know, yeah. th- this one's been in the been in the water a little too long, and it's getting you no, know, it's gotten a little soggy. But but uh, yeah, it's, well, this is given to us to clarify the Holy Trinity. But I found more often than not that uh, people leave very confused because of the creed. Well, there are some there are some things. I mean, I I think the two great misunderstandings you could walk away from in this creed are, first of all, that um, we're saved by our pure doctrine or it causes you to look in on yourself and ask yourself, well, do I keep this whole and undefiled? Because I just read that. Whoever does not yeah. keep it whole, it being the Catholic faith, whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. So it it does sort of seem to lapse back on, am I keeping the faith whole and undefiled? Uh, which it kind of <laughs> wars against the confidence of justification by grace through faith. And then the at the end... Um, bothers people the, the the end of the second part where it speaks of Christ's return at his coming all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds yeah I'm kind of hosed and those who have done good will enter into eternal life and those who have done evil into eternal fire so it, that to to a casual hearing without enter, any intervening step sure sounds like Salvation by works. Right. And damnation by works. This is where I'm glad to be a Lutheran because we understand imputed righteousness. Now, to be fair, it's just simply kind of saying the same thing Jesus did in John 5, 28 and 29. He talks about uh, the hour coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So, <laughs> you know, if you have trouble with the Athanasian Creed, you're going to have trouble with John 5, too. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that leads into a discussion of what does it mean to have done good and what does it mean to have done evil? I, I think also, though, we, we have to step back and ask the context of this creed. Why was it written and what was going on? Uh, I'm sorry, I completely shifted gears on you there, but uh. well, and and who knows? I, I I don't know that anybody really knows. We don't even know who wrote it. It's it's named for Athanasius, right, right. but it it couldn't it couldn't be uh, it it 
really can't be Athanasius. It's certainly in the spirit of Athanasius. He's one of the one of the great uh, defenders of Nicene Orthodoxy. So, but I think what I'm thinking in this is is simply that over the first 450 years of the Christian Church, we've seen many many Christological heresies pop up, Trinitarian heresies. You know, this whole development of understanding the Trinity. We we start with a very basic creed. Jesus is Lord. Then we move on into the Apostles' Creed, which fleshes out the Trinity a little bit more. And then the Nicene Creed, which fleshes it out a little more. And then the Athanasian Creed, which fleshes it out even more. And so it's this expanding corpus of doctrine that we see in the development after there have been er errors, heresies, and then corrections. And then we kind of end up with this. And honestly, we could do a month of shows with this thing uh, <laughs> because it is very dense. Most most uh, scholars date the the text to late fifth, early sixth century. So this is really downstream, right? Uh, and it it represents several hundred years of reflection on the part of the church on how best to summarize and describe God who's not summarizable or describable. Uh, and so you, you have the two great paradoxes of, of the Christian faith that God is three and yet he's one, that he's three distinct persons. And so the creed goes to great pains to distinguish the persons and yet not divide the essence or the, the unity of being of God. So you have this, this paradox of triunity. The other great paradox is the two natures of Christ, that you have um, one person and yet uh, having two natures, a divine and a human nature. And, and again, that you can't rationalize this. You can only confess it. And so the in the same way the Athanasian Creed just exhaustively confesses the paradox so that you don't uh, confuse the natures or create uh, two persons or however you mess up Christology in the same way with the Trinity that you don't end up with three gods or you don't end up with, uh, you know, essentially a God that wears three hats or three masks or has three things to do. So it's, you know... It's sort of the end of the line. You know, in, in the East, they have uh, John of Damascus who kind of summarized all of theology in 722, and they said, enough. <laughs> that's it. That's that's it for yeah. theologizing. And then, of course, they started up again. Um, the Athanasian Creed, in some ways, represents the end of the line of the Trinitarian discussions and the Christological discussions. What do we have to say about God as triune? What do we have to say about Christ as, as God and man? And by... Our saying is, you know, what are the scriptures? What's the best way of summarizing the scriptures? So let, let's look at this, uh, starting on line two here. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit. But the Godhead of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all one. The glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such as the Son, and such as the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you see, so all, all of that—that's yeah. that's that's unity of uh, that's unity of essence. Right. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. Um, and yet, as it says in uh, you know line verse eleven, there are not three eternals but one, not three uncreateds, three infinites, 
but one. And so you have, um, you know, you, you have, as it says, I like the summary verse very much. Uh, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. Good luck with that, because that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the great theological paradox. And generally, people tend, when you popularize it, when you try to illustrate it, when you do anything, you'll fall off one side or right. the other side. You'll either make it sound like there are three gods doing a committee job, yeah, it's kind of interesting, opening verse of the Bible. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. That's a plural. Yeah. Now, is it, you know, kind of just a high majestic plural? Probably. But plural nonetheless. You can't let, get, a, can't yeah, get that, away from that. That kind of let us do these things. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, is that, yeah. Is that the royal us or the plural us? Yeah, or is that, a, a, you know, a kind of a sneak peek of the triunity of God, God deliberating amongst himself? <laughs> Now, you mentioned this, and I wanted to talk about this also, is that our illustrations of the Trinity always seem to break down. You know, you have someone say, oh, the Trinity's like water. In its frozen state, it's ice. In its liquid state, it's water. And, and in its vapor state, it's steam. But the problem is you've just become a modalistic monarchian. That's the belief that, like, in the Old Testament... God was a father in the New Testament. He was a son. And now he's the Holy Spirit. So you just kind of change his masks or something. Yeah, I, I used to be. Uh, this was back in my just out of seminary. You know, I know everything snotty kind of thing. Uh, still, oh, you're um, not that way anymore. No, I'm humble now. Um, and <laughs> very humble. Proud of it. Uh, I, I, I used to love to shoot down analogies of the Trinity because, f frankly, there's none that's going to hold up. Right, and, and that's the point. But here's the reality. What else can you do? When, when, you, have, when you have a paradox, you've got you've to say something. And um, that's the problem, I think, with even a day like Trinity Sunday. It's, it's a day devoted to uh, an abstraction. <laughs> you know, and even the Old Testament... The Old Testament for all, if you just had the Old Testament, it would sound modalistic. Yeah. You've got Yahweh. You've got the Malach Yahweh, the messenger of Yahweh, who is the Lord himself who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And then you have the Ruach Yahweh, the spirit of Yahweh that blows over things and makes them alive. So, you know, is, is that God in three forms? Well, you know, and yet, you know, God is one. It's good. You know, Old Testament's very clear, monotheism, it's the way it's going. So it's not easy. Uh, no, no. You know, all theology is analogy, but the, 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 the question is, where's the breakdown point? Well, that and also I think you have to understand the Trinity is a mystery and you hold mysteries with a loose hand. Uh, knowing that you aren't going to wrap your head around it. I, I like to, I, my, my comparison to the holding it is you hold it the way you juggle. Uh, and so you've got these two balls that you got to keep in motion at the same time, and you can't play favorites. So there's the one in essence concept that's mm -hmm. got to be in play because there's only one God. Right. This is monotheism. There's not a variety of gods going right. on here. And there's three persons. So you got the three persons ball that's got to be in motion at the same time. And you can't in juggling. If you play favorites, you'll drop them all. Sure. You know, you've yeah. and but you've got and you've got to treat each one. Let's make it not balls, but it's like ch juggling a bowling pin, a chainsaw and a, uh, a knife. You know, you got to treat each thing according to the thing that it is. So when you're dealing with the persons of the Trinity, uh, 
you're going to deal with them as though they were separate, even right. though they're not. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with a Jesus who prays to his father and claims to be God? Right. Okay, well, what's the deal? Or he's going to send the spirit, another counselor, comforter, paraclete, whatever, uh, and 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 he's got as much Lord as the son does, as the father does. I and the father are one thing, Jesus says. You know, what does this mean? And so at some point, it, uh, you know, your mind just kind of goes kablooey. And, and so that, but that's the nature of paradox. God is three and God is one. I always love what people do with uh, line eight here. The father incomprehensible, the son incomprehensible, the Holy Spirit incomprehensible, the creed incomprehensible. <laughs> As Dor- Dorothy Sayers <laughs> right. said that the father incomprehensible, the son incomprehensible, the whole thing incomprehensible. <laughs> right. That's actually a play on words. The, the word there means unbounded, infinite, mm. no, no boundaries. Uh, but, you know, these are all attributes or characteristics of God. And what you say of the Father, you say of the Son, say of the Holy Spirit. Right. So the, the nickel question is, how do you distinguish them? Uh, well, we can certainly distinguish the Son because he's the one incarnate who, who took on the flesh of man and still holds that flesh. Um, the Father and the Holy Spirit, you know, if I saw them in the same room together, I don't know if I could tell which is which. See, the, um, the, at, at line 20, that, this gives you the internal. They're distinguished internally, but not externally. Right. So the Father is not made, nor created, nor begotten by anyone. So that's kind of all negative. He is. <laughs> the Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. Mm-hmm. Of the Father's love begotten, right? So, so that's the that's the connection. The Son is begotten of the Father. That's uniquely His, and the Spirit is of the Father and of the Son. See, that's how we know this is a Western creed, because it has built into it the filioque, uh, the Western addition to the Nicene Creed. So, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Uh, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So the unique relational word for spirit is proceeding, for son is begotten. The father doesn't have one. He just is. Now, that that word begotten, it, it's a word that we use a lot, but I don't think that most people know how to define that word. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't necessarily, although in, in say, a human context, like, like in the, the Toledoth, the generations of, of Genesis, it's um, begetting, as in conceiving and giving birth to, right. or causing the birth of. Uh, so so and so beget so and so beget so and so. I think the principle here is kind of like begets like. That's that's kind of the general. So mm. dogs beget dogs, cats beget cats. La- God begets God. So when when the son is begotten of the father, he is God in the same way the father is God. Now, does this, uh, the, the begottenness, uh, does that refer to Christ becoming man? No, that's, that's his internal relation to the okay. Father. He's the eternally begotten of the Father. Monogenes, monogenao, monogenes in, in the Greek, uh, comes from John 1. Uh, so he's the only begotten of God. And so even before his incarnation, he is still the eternally begotten son of the father, just as the spirit is eternally proceeding from father and son, even before Pentecost. 
I think that we run into a lot of problems also when we uh, talk about the Son being subordinate to the Father and the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, and so the Holy Spirit subordinate to the Father and the Son. Instead of understanding they are of one essence and one will, and and so as you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're in full agreement and of a like mind on everything. Yeah, see, that's the other problem with paradox. When you focus on the one thing, the other thing is going to fall off the right. table. Yeah. So when you focus on the relationship of the persons, you're wide open to subordinationism. Right. Um, however, if you focus on the unity of being, you're wide open to modalism. Yeah, it it is a modalism being, you know, God just wears different hats. A father right. hat, a son hat, a Holy yeah, Spirit hat. Yeah, I talked about that a few minutes ago. Or I like Capon's the three pitchers, the starting pitcher, the middle reliever, and the closer. <laughs> <laughs> so the father, the father's a starting pitcher, you know, had to be yanked in middle innings. The son comes in, uh, basically earns the win. And then the Holy Spirit comes at the last days as the closer. He's going to close it out. But but again, that's 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 the that's be a modalistic analogy. So in uh, let's see, we pick it up at line twenty here. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created, but begotten. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. So there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. Man, this creed just loves to beat the dead horse. <laughs> it's tenderized. That horse is tenderized. So in this, you know, we have kind of this uh, understanding of the three persons, and yet there aren't three gods. There's there's one God. Bingy, See, Muslim, Bingy Muslims, Muslims who are monotheists, right. just call us derogatorily behind our backs tritheists. I think they'll do it to our faces too. For this reason, right. you see, because because the paradox can't, you know, they're going to focus on the unity of essence, the one God, and therefore the three persons is tritheism, because you right. can't have these two. The, the, you know, in 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 that kind of thinking, you can't you can't harmonize these two. But paradoxes are not meant to be harmonized; they're just meant to be juggled. Now, here's one of the questions that we face sometimes, and I'd be curious to see how you answer this. Uh, each person of the Trinity has a unique role. the The Holy Spirit, or do comes they, and testifies to Christ? Christ is incarnate, comes and dies in our behalf, and rises from the dead. The Father sends them, and so forth and so on. Uh, how do you how do you answer that kind of a question about the the different roles of the three persons of the Trinity and yet being one God? Remember Augustine's famous rule: the the external works of God are indivisible. In other words, when when God works outside of Himself, then one experiences both the Trinity of persons and the unity of essence at the same time. Okay, so let's take, for example, the work of creation. Whose work is that? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah, although each person has a unique role in that work, one might say. Right. And so we ascribe the work of creation to the Father, even in the creed, maker of heaven and earth. Right. And yet we recognize that all things are made through the Word, who is the Son, 
the incarnate word, and it's by the Spirit. Covering over the depths and so forth and so on. Yeah, and the Lord and giver of life. Mm -hmm. So uh, any creative act outside of God is going to involve all three persons according to what is proper to their person. Work of redemption, whose work is it? You know, Christ did it, but he was sent by the Father. He was doing the mission of the Father, Mm -hmm. and he was anointed with the Spirit. So they're all involved, each in their own unique sort of way, but that's clearly the Son's to do because he alone in the flesh dies. And same with the Spirit, the work of delivering the gifts of salvation, thereby making a holy people. You know, whose is the work of sanctification? Well, the Spirit does it, but he delivers us to Christ who brings us to the Father. So, (laughs) you know, again, we're born children of God. Children implies Father. So we're children of the Heavenly Father. Our brother is Jesus. The Spirit is at work begetting children, you know, of our Virgin Mother, the Church. So, you know, all this kind of... It's always, in the end, it's all three externally all the time, but each proper to the person. This is where your head starts to get a little wiggy at right, uh, right. Trinity Sunday. And, and once again, trying to wrap your head around the Trinity is, uh, you, you could spend a few lifetimes and still fall flat because you can't understand God. You are too finite to understand the infinite. And uh, we can say certain things about God, we can go uh, to a certain extent, but uh, we're, we're always going to come up empty uh, or short in the, in the long run. See, in the same way, it does, in the second part of the Athanasian Creed, it does Christ, and, and he is of two natures and one person. And there's a kind of a curiosity is that it uses the homoousios, the same substance, mm-hmm. both of Jesus, with respect to the Father, he's homoousius with respect to the Father, same substance. But he's also homoousius with respect to his mother, hmm. that he he shares the substance of his mother according to his human nature right. and the substance of his Father according to his divine nature. So again, you're posed with a paradox. He's both human and divine, God and man. But you can't if if you favor one, you'll lose the other. So so if you favor the the distinction of the natures, the two natures, and you pull them apart, you're Nestorian. Mm-hmm. If you favor the unity of the person and try to keep them both together, you end up being Eutychian. You know, so right. he's sort of, some sort of hybrid. He's like Brock of flower. <laughs> you know, he's a hybrid of God and man. But he's not. He's 100% God, 100% man. And, uh, and again, the paradox, you just got to, got to throw it up there and hold it in place and uh and and you can't favor one but you have to acknowledge each according to what it is so uh that's kind of the exercise of the athanasian creed i think it has value for you know beyond esoteric theological discussion i think it has value for the person in the pew because it gives them an appreciation of nothing else for how deep the mystery of divinity is Mm. that, you know, it almost defies our language. How big a creed can you write 
well, uh, here's 43 lines. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the Lutherans <laughs> come along, they write a book of Concord, you know, but right. uh, you know, is there really any end to this? And, and the answer is no, because it's approximate. You're always kind of zeroing in as best you can on what is an unutterable mystery in the end. You know, you really, it, it sort of defies our language. And I think in all of theology, we always run into trouble when we say too much. Uh, when we don't simply say we we don't have all the variables, we have to not speculate here beyond what's given us and simply stick with the text. Uh, God has given us brains to use, but we shouldn't be subjecting God's word to our, our thoughts and, and uh, faulty logics. True. And yet, on the other hand, I think it, it shows the what the work of theology really is about, and that is attempting to summarize what the scriptures say you know the the scriptures may have creedal forms in them and they have hymnic forms but the scriptures that we've received uh, that are the text our source for all this these are narratives they're poetry they're prose they're letters uh they're these unique forms called gospels where you collect the words and the deeds of Jesus but somehow you have to make some sense out of all of this sure um, you know had Jesus never been incarnate had Christmas never happened had, had the word never become flesh and dwelt among us uh, we wouldn't have a Trinity Sunday it wouldn't be necessary we could go with the Old Testament model just fine but when God prays to God and promises to send God you've got a real problem on your hands well Unless you believe this, hold it undefiled. <laughs> Your host. Your host. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you next time on The God Whispers. Oh, my. Adios, Adios you chicken plucking little stinker. <laughs> Take it easy, dude. You're mocking me, aren't you? Hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert.